So I'm sitting here going through my kind of year end review, which is a process that I do every year. And I'm aware of a couple things. One of the things is that, um, I haven't put up a show here in a little bit. Um, but also as I look back over the year, there's a handful of things that I did, uh, maybe on other podcasts or other places. And, you know, I like to try to share some of those here and, um, I found one that I have not shared. So that's what today's episode is. This is actually from a podcast called beautiful and believable. Um, this is a dude that is really interested in, you know, the life of followers of Jesus and what is called the church. And I met this guy at a conference in assembly in Gainesville, um, kind of in the spring, uh, it was like a, what they call like a micro church conference. A lot of missional communities gathered from around the country to kind of explore these different ideas, met the guy there. He, uh, followed up and said, Hey man, I really like some of what I heard from you. Uh, would you be willing to jump on a podcast with me and, you know, spend about an hour kind of chatting through some of your ideas. It was a really good time. I've actually done a couple with him since, but, uh, this is that first conversation that I do not believe I've had a chance to share here. So here you go. Welcome back to Beautiful and Believable. Drew Dodson here. Have a new friend uh, on today that I met down at the Micro Church Conference, uh, John Dangler out of Tampa, Florida. Hey, John. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. You betcha. Yeah, uh, we, we liked each other immediately because we're bald on top and hairy on the face. So there, there you go. Uh, we'll see today. We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about what John's up to. We're going to hear some of his story. For those of you who've been listening, uh, You've been intrigued by communities of practice. Haven't John heard that phrase, but that's what he's doing. And he'll be, he'll be talking about some of the things he's got going on. Uh, you've also heard us talk a lot about vocation and calling. And uh, we're going to talk some about work and what in the world that has to do with uh, following Jesus, with blessing our cities. Uh, but we'll get into that. So, uh, John, welcome. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to let John talk for a minute. John has a lot of things going. He podcasts. Uh, at the uh, what's that called? The work ethic. Yeah, work ethic. So tr track him down. He has something called the well. He's going to tell us about. Uh, you can find him at wellbuilt.city. All that'll be in the show notes. So you know, John, just so we can get to know you, and so I can get to know you, because we only talked maybe two or three minutes at the micro church conference. Uh, what do you got going? What are you doing right now? Trying, trying <laughs> to be a good neighbor and a good citizen in our city. Um, mm -hmm trying to be a follower of Jesus, but, um, trying to, we got a lot of plates spinning. We're a very mm. experimental community. I mean, there's a lot of needs around us. And so we just, when we see needs, we go, well, someone should do something about that. And maybe, <laughs> maybe we should do something about that. And, um, and you know, that's a big part of our, um, ethos here is just kind of mm. take responsibility. Don't expect that someone else uh, is going to come and do it. And so, definitely. um, you know, and so we, we, uh, I can kind of, I know there's, we can kind of get to how we got here a little bit, but I'll just tell you a yeah. few of the, we have a little not, the well is a little bit of a nonprofit ecosystem. We, it's okay. a nonprofit holding company that has a, a, a series of LLCs that it owns, right? Um, okay. Most of those are kind of social enterprise businesses. I can give you like a sketch of uh, a few of those. Um, yeah. But what we're trying to do is kind of incubate this um, kind of a, a different kind of economy uh, that is geared toward and working with folks for whom our current kind of economic systems maybe don't uh, work for. Okay. And, yep. um, and building, you know, a new model of business that really is itself kind of 
mission, you know, that uh, is a way to say like, yes. actually we can, bi- so, so one of the things we run is a bike shop. It's a nonprofit bike shop called Wellbuilt Bikes, probably the mm. most uh, known or uh, mature of the mm. um, little seedlings mm. that we're nurturing. Okay. It's uh, on its fifth year right now in retail right. storefront, but before the five years open in a retail storefront, uh, we were in a shipping container um, behind a homeless drop-in center that we were running. And like we it. had a lot of folks that needed transportation. There was always broken bikes going wasted. We'd drag them back to the shipping container. We called it the recycle bin at that time. And mm. said, look, if you need transportation, go figure it out. There's some tools. There's some broken bikes. I bet you could put a, one of those together and maybe you could go you know, sell some water on the corner. Maybe you can go visit family. Maybe you can go get a job. Maybe you, you know, you right. can, cause a bike, you know, many of us think oh. back to our first bike, a bike um, meant freedom. It meant yeah. I could ride to the circle. K. I could get away from mom and dad's house. I could, I could go do something naughty right. down the street where no one could see. <laughs> and, and like, and I honestly see freedom as the, the antithesis or the opposite of poverty in my yep. framework, poverty nice. is the absence of freedom. So I'm like, well, this directly addresses your ability to oh. take responsibility and have empowerment. Absolutely. So, so we started this kind of homeless bike co-op that eventually would evolve Mm. into what is now well built bikes so we i said man you know one tools are expensive and they keep walking off and um (laughs) i probably probably could use a staff or two and a lot of these guys are here running the shop but still live on the streets and we really want to provide for a lot of these needs now the other things in our ecosystem did like we do a lot with food insecurity we work together to grow food so we have an eden project thing uh which is like a garden uh, initiative that we do Anyway, I'll try to stay focused on this bike shop for a second. So we yeah. we, we launched this bike shop. Um, the and Some old guy that came by said, the well is building bikes. So they're well built. Get it? And I was like, and I was like, okay, we're not going to call it that. But eventually it just stuck. And I was like, all right, it's called Well Built Bikes. We started, we uh, launched a storefront actually in a, like what is kind of a sinking ship of uh, like mm. all malls are sinking ships, but we're in a, a mall in a, um, economically challenged let's say area that is kind of on the rise but is right next to the university of south florida um and so there's a ton of there's 55,000 college students right there many of whom could use bikes for transportation recreation whatever but there's a lot of folks in the community that can't afford cars but could afford bikes so Mm. i started thinking when we were running the um we were actually getting run out of the old neighborhood with the drop-in center because it was gentrifying rapidly after it turned 100 uh, years old. And uh, I was like, you know what? Um, I could probably sell some of these bikes and maybe take the nicer bikes and sell them. And let's see if people will buy them. So we ran a couple pop-up shops, convinced ourselves like people will buy them. And if we sell them, then we have some revenue. And then maybe we can build a more sustainable model. And we hmm. pivoted from that into like an earn-a-bike program. So at right. the heart of the well-built bikes is an earn-a-bike program. So folks that can't afford nice. to purchase a bike or meet their transportation needs – can get a bike through doing community service, um, usually with us or one of our partner organizations, like the come work in the garden for a day uh-huh. or something like that, to buy their bike with their time and sweat equity. And at the end of that program, they get a bike, lights, lock, helmet. We do a safety nice. and maintenance training with them. And they're all nice. set up to be commuters and kind of go meet their own more basic needs um, with that transportation need met. But the, the idea that a business... You know, you hear like Jesus said, like you can't serve two masters, right? And that's all that's <laughs> yeah. pitted like God and money. And and yep. like th- that's a daily reality that's actually uh, a tension. It's still an open question for me. Oh, but that, I but yeah. I kind of wondered like we mostly don't who, believe what he what he had to say about it, right? No, we don't care what Jesus said. We just act like we do and sing songs <laughs> right. with his name that's in them. Right. Like, that's but right. like but like but like I, I, I thought, you know, could a business 
be a good neighbor. Mm, Could a business um, be valuable to its community? Could a business be Christian? One, I'm not sure any entity can be Christian. I don't know. However, um, I do think a business could um, embody the spirit of and rehearse the reality of the kingdom. And I was like, I, I think maybe we could try to set that table um, okay. at this place in the mall. And so we're five years in. It's going great. That If you came to our bike shop, it's like any other bike shop. There's no you will see no um, what I would say is like Christian propaganda on anything. You will just see right. people loving their neighbors and doing their best to be a value to the community and to be a good business. And so we ran that. And then um, and so that like that kind of open our eyes to the ability to go. So we, over time we've done, so the first business we actually did was a lawn crew. Then we did the bike shop. Um, okay. We have a, a house for some formerly homeless men are living right now. There's not much of a business to that. Um, and then we did set up an LLC that we just call works of mercy, which contains things like that house that contains a lot of the, like I just now got back from running what we call the kinship. The kinship is a mobile grocery distribution just for food and secure communities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yep. We do 15 of those a month. So I just came back from that. We, um, we were all over town. So those are all like, like the one I do, that was every Friday, but then every, every Saturday, there's one that takes place once a month. So there's like the tomorrow's the third Saturday meeting. And that's okay. it. All there's right. a certain place where the same team meets with the same community. Um, but all of this is, and there's maybe too much to kind of like enumerate here, but there's lots yeah, of okay. little, lots of little entities I uh-huh. like to think of what I'm trying to do is kind of just be a good gardener and, yep. and be a good partner yep. to these yep. teams and kind of be uh, make sure the soil is nutrient because then the the plants, the the little things that we the tables that we set might bear fruit. Um, uh. And then and then I don't know. I don't know that I care that anyone ever hears about the well. Actually, um, it, mm. it's like, yeah, it's a 501c3. That's great. Uh, it's a great model. Like it's good to tell folks about like you should, this 501c3 holding company is a great model. It's a common purse. Mm-hmm. There's always good things for it, but I want well bikes to be known. I want the kinship to be known. I want, nice. I want the, the, and then maybe, you know, as we build, cause our vision is really to just build a better city in our city. Like uh-huh. here's uh-huh. a different kind of city um, that the, I believe the work of the church is to build a city to, re, you know, yep. that's the vision of the kingdom is a city. And so we're going to like, be builders of that. And, um, and, and, and then hope that, um, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the city at large is grateful for us being here and is blessed by us being here. And maybe at sometimes goes, there seems to be something in common between these different things, but we don't need the like central brand to be known as much. Anyway, it's enough ranting. Okay. Uh, I tried to give you a sketch of a handful yeah, of the plates great. we have spinning. I'm sure I'll hear later that I left out like seven other people's projects, but I'm like, I, <laughs> you, you may know, have hurt somebody's feelings, right? <laughs> people got feelings. I'm not good at that. So, all right, so that, that, that was great. And I, I did, of course I looked at your website and all that, and mm. uh, it's, it's worth seeing all these different plants that are in your garden or your ecosystem. Uh, I am I am interested in uh, uh, the city set on a hill is usually interpreted as having more and better churches down at Fourth hmm. and Main with Sunday services and a clergy. Uh, tell me the tell me your personal story. How did you get to where? Because I don't know your story of faith. I don't know your story if you were ever in uh, a, a Sunday centric church or not. So whatever your story is, how did you get to this focus on business as kingdom work? What was that journey? Well, um, that is, it was 
if you'd have told me at the beginning of that 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 connection would be made in time, I'd have, I'd have laughed hysterically at you that I'd be doing like business, uh, commerce or whatever that was because because the one of the initial convictions had to do with the poor and. Um, mm. That led to like all these like ideological things that I've, I've had to just practically deal with over time. But but <laughs> I love that you don't know this. So um, <laughs> so I was so I was uh, I'm Irish. So I was raised Catholic okay. and but okay. Catholic was I'm Irish. Like when grandma comes to town, we do Easter and, you know, um, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. It was a cultural feature. Um, but mm. I uh, and then in in high school, um, I got. Well, let's say mildly into drugs and kind of partying Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And um, one night, uh, it was actually on Halloween night, um, I was working at a local grocery store. Um, That grocery store uh, had had a wine tasting earlier in the week. And so they, I was in the dairy department and they'd stuck all these half open bottles of wine. in. Oh, baby. (laughs) Two carts were in the dairy cooler, like on standby, like we'll get rid of those later or something like that. Well, I... Honestly, I liked drinking, but I didn't like wine, but I was like, I like drinking. I like being drunk. And I drank most of those bottles of wine that night on my shift at work. Well, then I drove two coworkers home and and thank God I got them home safe. Uh, But then I got in a head on car accident after I dropped them Mm. off. And um, I was 17 years old. It was my senior year in high school. Um, and I broke every single bone in my face. So this is all metal plating. My cheeks are metal plating. My upper teeth are all Whoa. fake. Um, yeah, I completely Whoa. smashed my face in the windshield. If you notice, my like on my right arm is covered in scars. So I went through the windshield what? with my right kind of elbow in my face. My right leg was stuck on the brake, and the, I didn't have a seatbelt on. And the steering wheel um, like hit my abdomen so hard, kind of ruptured all of my like intestines and I had to have half my spleen taken out, a bunch of my intestines, whatever should Mm. not have survived that accident. But a cop Mm. had just passed through the intersection incidentally, um, and heard it and then called for a helicopter immediately. Um, I actually hit another, I hit a cutlass. that was, had three guys in it that were on, it was the middle of the night. They were on their way to pick up a car. They wrecked earlier that day. Uh, so this was their second car accident that day. This one was much worse, uh, <laughs> mm. but they all had their seatbelts on. So the driver broke his finger, the passenger bro- who he had took mo- the most impact actually broke his finger. The passenger in that car, the seatbelt cracked his sternum. They both went home yeah. that night. Um, wow. But the kid in the backseat kid, he was, uh, I think he was 19. Um, he had a lap belt on, which you should not, you should just go without a seatbelt if all you have yeah. is a lap belt, but it snapped his spine. So he, um, he was in the hospital as long as I was, um, this, I tell you this, this is going a little yeah. far back, but, but like that it's led okay. to a lot of pain and a lot of recovery. And I think it's an important part of my story. So I feel like there's sure. these three points that, that kind of lead to one answer to this. Um, there's that. And then the pain of recovery and deep, mm. deep depression, super suicidal mm. after that. Like I, as far as I was concerned, I was ruined, looked like Frankenstein. And it was the first time I ever thought about God one, cause everyone wants to pray and say, God's got a purpose for your life and all these trite mm. things that people mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I started developing a real hatred for all of that language. Um, I, oh, okay. I, I really sure. did. And, sure. and, and the, and the, fir- when I thought about the idea of God, I think the first time I acknowledged God was so that I had somewhere that I could point my middle fingers. That wasn't just at me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that was exactly kind of the initial relationship I had with God was in, you let this happen to me. Um, mm. and then, and then, and then 
that my recovery. So there was the psychic and the physical pain would lead to, mm-hmm. I, I went all out on drugs. This Well, one, they give you a lot of drugs, right? Yep. So then, yep. and then, and then now, like I was already into them and now I got like some practice from the hospital and I get back out and I'm like, yo, it's game on. Like, these are kind of like a savior to me. And they really did help. Uh, I, I, I was alleviating a lot yep. of pain Sure. existential pain that I, I would have and have and have had to deal with. Um, and so one night, so then I, I went to college uh, right out okay. on. So that was my senior year. I get through my senior mm-hmm. year. They kind of just like sympathy oh, yeah. passed me. Gave you um, a pass. Sure. I, cr- I crutch across stage. And um, that was like one of the first times I was on it. No, it was, I think graduation was the first time I used a cane because I knew they wow. were going to take a picture. It was like really hard to do. It was my first time on a cane. Um, and then I went to USF. So my parents begged me to stay in town and I was like, I need to get, I need to start over. So they mm-hmm. made a deal like, well, you can go live on campus. We'll help you. But like you're nearby. So you can come home mm-hmm. on the week. Cause we almost lost you, whatever. So I went out there Went. I didn't ever go to class. I was surfing and taking drugs constantly. Right. Um, and then uh, one night, and I, I will say I really fell in love with hallucinogenics in particular. And I, okay. and not just like, not just like, Oh, I like them. Like I thought, they're very important. And I started yep. going to the library and studying them, which is actually, yep. there's a lot of research happening now. I'm quite excited about, yep. but I was doing yep. that on my own back then. Like, so yeah, it's coming back here. into the, yeah, it was coming yeah. back into mainstream now. It's interesting. Yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so one night though, without, I mean, I, I had a very, uh, let's just say I had a very heavy, uh, LSD trip that, mm. uh, seemed to last forever. Like there was no mm. coming down. I thought, well, this is a wrap. Like this, this is a mm. little too much or whatever. Um, mm. but I, I met God on LSD. Mm. I, I, that night I, I, the universe was ripped open. Um, yep. and, and I felt as if God said, listen, I love you. And I want to talk to you about all this, these middle fingers and this pain and this stuff you've been through and like, why it took that to get through to you. First of all, second of all, you did it. Third, there's a reason you needed to be in a wheelchair. You needed to go through all that pain. You needed to be an outcast. You needed to lose all your friends. You, because there's work to be done now related wow. to pain, related to suffering, related to the margins. Re- and, and, and literally I came out of the acid trip, like a missionary. Like I was like, okay, I got work to do now. Now, now I, 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 um, okay, so wait a second, wait a second. Yep, wait a second yep, yep. Cause we, we, we talk a lot about call and vocation here. So you got your call on an acid trip. Mm-hmm. That's the first. Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the first. Maybe in the history of Christianity. Certainly in the history of this podcast. That's great. De- definitely not the first of Christianity. So what's really <laughs> interesting, and actually, if you're listening to this, because I know you got a pretty large following, and it is kind of a more of a church folk group. Yeah. But I yeah. will bet you, right in to him, uh, whatever your contact info, put in the show notes, sure. whatever. Right in if this is your story. I tell this story very freely now. It took me a while because okay. I was like, I can't yeah, tell sure. mom how that happened. Right. But eventually right. now I'm like, you know what? I don't care. This is what happened. It is what it is. Well, I tell it freely and 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 I can't it blows my mind how many people come up to me. This there's okay. a man that runs a um um uh, a boarding the biggest boarding house in Tampa. It's called the mm-hmm. Good Samaritan Inn. And the owner's name is John Watson. And John Watson is like, I don't know, in his 70s. And he's just like this old dude kind of lives in, like <laughs> mostly lives in the a very Christian, very like fundamentalist, like rigid uh-huh. type, like conservative. Yep, yep. 
And yep. I, at an open mic one night, shared this story and he came up and he's like, you know, for me, it all started on mushrooms. And like, whoa, I, yeah. no. And the, the number of people who, to whom that story is real, uh, it, yep. it, it is definitely not a first in. Now, I don't know that it's an evangelism tactic, although there were some people in the 60s, <laughs> I think called right. the Jesus people that like yeah, just yeah, hand yeah. out acid. Yeah, so you yeah. want to meet God? Here you go. Well, and uh, sometimes... Sometimes that works. Uh, and well, so for know, me, that was a very yeah. like Damascus Road type uh, situation. Well, I've been running into this the last uh, three to four years. I mean, I, okay, I was white bread uh, church guy, church kid, didn't even mm-hmm. drink much less drop acid or anything else. But <laughs> the last several years, because it has become mainstream again, places like Johns Hopkins are investigating, yep. uh, right? All that oh, for mental health, for, for yep. uh, post-traumatic stress, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, but... Here's what the research is saying now. This is not from the 60s, now. People mm-hmm. who, who have experienced, have had profound experiences, they come back saying two things. You'll, and then we'll move, keep, let you keep going, but I got to put this mm-hmm. in. They come back saying two things. Did you know that we're all connected? Mm-hmm. The second thing they come back saying is, did you know that love is at the center of everything? This, yep. is, this, is, this is research-based on people who've been medically supervised, clinically supervised on hallucinogenics for whatever uh, addiction, post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress. Those are the mm-hmm. two things they report over and over and over. We're connected uh, and love is the center. Honestly, I wish I had more time to read. I, I pay attention to those studies, maps, John Hopkins. I am blown yep. away by it because there, there's actually been some hallucinogenics researchers mm-hmm. who have quit because they were so scared by the people coming back with all saying the same thing. Like, it was just like, okay, like there, cause there are certain visionary type drugs where it's like, you go somewhere and everyone <laughs> goes to the same place. And he, the guy's like, you know, I can't do this is too scary. What like the, and, and, and so one of the people that are doing that with is folks that are um, terminally ill and like, uh-huh. how are they dealing with the denial of death, the fear of death? And it is it, the 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 lion's share of people that are in those studies come back and are ch- completely changed, transformed, uh, oh, they, and they they rate that experience among the top four or five things that have happened to them in their entire life. In their life, and it's crazy. It's not. I'm not like running around like here's a case for that, but it maps to my experience where I'm like, yeah, no, I remember that. Like uh-huh. it's so, and, and I tell, and why I went car accident acid trip is like one, mm-hmm. I can't tell one without the other, but sure. like, if you just said, John, what are the like top three things that happen in your life? It's like, well, there's that. Then mm-hmm. there's the acid trip. And then I'll just to kind of bring us back to this story a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm ruined. Right. Cause now I can't, all my friends aren't going to understand. I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. them either. I'm like, I'm leaving. So I left, I left the college. I moved okay. back in with my parents uh, but here's a little, just one little detail. I, uh, my had been in a, uh, like a physical fight with my best friend, like a week mm. earlier, we hadn't spoken mm. and, um, he lived in my parents. Like I grew up with him. So he lived near my parents. So I moved back to my parents. I walked to his house to mm. apologize. And I was not going to tell him what happened to me. I was not going to tell him I'm trying mm. to follow Jesus. I was not going to tell him any of that, but I go over there. His parents like, yeah, he's in his room. I go up to his room and I walk in and there's notes all over the floor. There's like a bot like three bibles open and i was like dude are you reading because because like this wouldn't have worked for me like we i can't tell like what we do isn't gonna work right and i he kind of i was like are you reading the bible he kicks it shut and he's like i mean you know i looked at it and i had a little gideon's in my back pocket and i pulled it out and i was like bro i've been looking at it too um all week and he's like yeah like Whoa. it's been about a week and he's like let me um i was like let me tell you what happened to me 
And he's like, no, mm. I need to tell you what happened to me. Mm. And we, we did not know the exact night, but within the same week, he had had a very, very similar experience actually on ecstasy, which is, uh-huh. and he's like, yeah, Jesus carried me home and I want to like learn about him now. And I was like, all right. So in that room, cause both of us are like completely dumb about all of this, but we were like trying to read the Bible. And he's like, listen, I'm just going to like read this and like do whatever he says. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause I'm going to do the same thing. And we shook on it. We're like, all right, shake on it. It's you and me. Uh, do other people do this? I have no idea, but let's shake on it. We're going to do it because we both met him last week and we're best friends, brothers. Thank God you did too, because I was going to do this alone, but now I can do it with you. So wow. then he and I start reading the Bible together, but we do not plug into anything. And and this led to some very, very funny. Um, we were very uh, into application. It was very concrete, right? So, so like, you know, I mean, you read, uh, you know, John the Baptist says, bear fruit and keep you with repentance. If you have two jackets, yep. give to someone who has none. And so he's like, yo, let's get our extra jackets. Let's find someone who has none. It's very straightforward. We hadn't gone to Straight. church where they, so no one told us we don't actually do any of that. And like, so That's then, great. so then uh, we do that, but then uh, I'll just, here's one example of something funny. So he doesn't come out of his room for like a week. And I mm. like, that's weird. Now he, he was eccentric and, you know, introvert, mm. whatever, but I'm like, this is a little weird. So I go over there. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, I read in James that, um, pure religion is to keep oneself, oneself unspotted by the world. So like, I can't let anyone spot me. And, 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 I, <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I don't, I'm not sure. Let, let's that's look, great. let's look at it together. Uh, but we had so much of that. Right. So then one night at his house, um, he, uh, and I'll, I'll try to speed this up a little bit, but one night at his no, house, you're doing fine. You're fine. Okay. Okay. One night at his house, um, there is all these people downstairs and, and it happens all the time on, on Wednesday nights. There's his parents have like these little get togethers and we have no idea what they do. Um, and, and I was hungry and I, I basically grew up in this guy's house. I'm like, bro, hmm. like I'm hungry. He's like, yeah, but they got all those people down there. Like, let's just wait. And I'm like, no, I'm hungry. I was like, listen. I'm going to go down and I'm going to get something to eat. They'll be fine. Like, I'll, I'll just be quiet. And I'll just go down for all I know. It's like an Amway meeting. I don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, like we go downstairs and I'm in the kitchen getting some food, which is right next to the family room where they're all gathering and they're studying the Bible. And uh. I go back upstairs and I'm like, dude, do you know that your parents study the Bible with those people every Wednesday night? He's like, that's what they do. Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't know that. And I was like, well, do you want to ask if we can like join them? Cause at this point we don't know anyone else does this. Right. And so we're like, let's go down there. So we do. They're all gray hair and we're young. And that was great for both of us. Like we have a little bit, like it was very helpful to us. Like people that knew Greek and had studied theology. (laughs) Like there was some ex pastors there. There was a psychologist there, lawyer there, really smart, mature, uh, boat and um and so we joined them and they were glad to have like young excited like I bet they new were blood new blood in the room <laughs> yeah and so it was really good and we joined them every Wednesday night for a while and then eventually they said hey um you know we're all part of this church um you should come and I was like okay uh and and then they're like yeah we go you know this place on Sunday I was like all right well I'll um I'll come over every Sunday I'll come over next Sunday and you know I'd grown up going to church and I remember mm. like man I hate mm. Well, I went to Catholic church, which now I'm a big fan of that, like high church right. liturgy stuff. Like it's right. But at the time it was the most painful, meaningless, mm. excruciating mm. thing ever. And it was just like, ah, oh, just cause grandma's here or whatever. So then, <laughs> um, so I go over there 
And we go to this place and man, I hated it immediately. Um, I walked in and I was like, okay. And I remember thinking like, what the hell does this have to do with anything that we've been reading? Like literally anything. There's nothing about this that resembles anything we've talked wow. about or read Fresh about. Eyes. And, and so I was like, I, so now I'm, I'm thinking like, well, you know, I want to apply scripture and like, I'm thinking through what I've read and I'm like, what would Jesus do? And I started thinking Jesus would probably fashion a whip and you're going to end up in jail if you keep coming here. Like that's, what's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not, I don't often be accused of being humble, but I was, let's say humble enough (laughs) to, um, humble enough to know probably it's me. Like I was like, Mm. probably there's something wrong with me. Mm. Cause look at them Mm. all. They're all so happy. They're all smiling. Mm. They're all Mm. like everyone that says they're into Jesus. This is what they do. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And so I Mm. went for a good year almost. And I kept going every Sunday and we go to some nice lunch afterwards and, uh, you know, and they had like this really, uh, it's funny. They had this, like, it was, it was like a really talented group of musicians uh-huh. that played really bad music <laughs> that just inserted Jesus name and stuff. I remember always thinking like, this is terrible and they're so gifted. They could do so much better than this. Um, mm. but like, mm. it's the, it's the, it's the culture here and I hated it and I always hated it. And then, and then I was, but the whole time I'm like, man, it's me, it's me, it's me. I got to get over this. Like I'm not Christian enough. Well then, um, it was probably true, but, but then one day the, the pastor gets up, you know, we met in a, in a school, like it was in an auditorium in a school and this pastor gets up and he, 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 um, by the way, there was like one Christian song I liked, which is that old, uh, I can only imagine. I really liked that song. And, 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 and he used that song for his building campaign for forever ruining this song for me. He's like, we're going to raise $5 million. Well, here's what happened. So I, I actually left. Uh, it was the it was the final straw. And I did not have all these convictions yep. about the poor relationship with poor. I right. just thought this dude is so wrong mm. to think he can spend this money to build some cathedral to himself. Like, I want nothing to do with this anymore. And I do not care if I'm a Christian or not. I don't want anything. I'll just go back to what I was doing with the whole, like, share my jackets and stuff. And so, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not coming to this anymore. I hate it. And I'm finally mm. like going to tell you guys I hate it. And I think I have something to stand on now. So, uh, so I couldn't mm. go. Well then cut to, um, uh, I, you know, I, I left school. I told you I left yep. uh, college. Well, now I re-enrolled in community college. Cause I got to basically okay. start over. Cause I failed right. everything when I went to so make a living college. <laughs> yeah. So I go to community college and I remember going to community college, like right, you know, first time, first semester in, and I'm in a math class, which you know, mm. I'm not particularly good at, and I'm in the middle of, I forget what college level math class it was. Cause it would have been boom, boom for sure. Like I was a boom, boom <laughs> math student, but I got in there. It would have been remedial math or like, we're going to get you ready for college math class. But I couldn't, I remember thinking I can't do this. So I started reading the Bible, like in mm. class, in math class. Mm. Well, after class, this girl asked me, she said, I saw you reading the Bible in there. I was like, yeah, I mean, I can't do this. Um, so I'll, yeah, read the Bible. And she goes, well, you know, we have a Bible study in the lunchroom, um, every Tuesday at 1130. Uh, I, we do it every week. I'd love to have you come to that. And I remember immediately thinking two things. Uh, first was negative. Like, man, they're probably going to be just like the church and pass the plate. And y'all probably have a building campaign until you're, so you can get out of the lunchroom. First thought, I don't say this second thought she's cute. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, I'll see you on Tuesday. Uh, which, which, so I went to this Bible study 
and it was InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And okay. InterVarsity, so I go to this, and they're like, oh, we're going to read, I don't know, Luke 4, whatever. And they were reading this passage, and there's Christians there. There's people that are not Christians there. There's people that are other religions that have uh, never studied this before, people that know it really well. And it's just this open dialogue, which I really like. It's not someone just nice. up front preaching. Right. And then the facilitator, there was someone like in charge of it. They're like, and they just said like, what do you see? What does it mean? What should we do? And, wh- and when they asked, what should we do? I was like, Hey, uh, what do you mean? What should we do? They're like, well, when you read the Bible, you should probably like do something with whatever it talked about. And I, in that moment, I was like, these are my people and I'm coming to this room. Mm. Like, mm. and, and so I plugged in with that. Well, inner varsity did a really good job of, um, connecting, uh, to concepts related to like, let's say the poor, um, you know, race, there's all these, they really dig into the hard topics. They're really good at that. And, and they're like, we're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, the the poor all through scripture. We're going to talk about it. We're going to push you to go do something about it. Well, I never wanted to go back to a church, but because of all these Bible studies, I'm like, I want to apply. And then one Uh night, um, there was, and this is the third big event of these things. There was a, there was a church, um, that was doing like a meal for the homeless on Thursday nights. And I was like, well, that sounds like something I've read about. So I'm not going to come to your sing-along, but I will come to that on Thursday night. So I went and they had a van that went out for people that couldn't get there. And I joined them to go downtown. And, uh, I remember super uncomfortable. I was like, I had these like blankets, it's like Florida cold. And I had some blankets (laughs) and like this you know, to go box of food. And I'm in this part of town. I know now, but at the time I don't know it super dark alley. I'm walking down this alley alone. It reeks of urine. I can't see anything. It's super dark. And I'm like, Hey, is anyone back here? And I hear this voice. Yeah, man, I'm over here. And so I walk in, there's this shadowy figure there behind this dumpster. And I squat down cause I'm not sitting cause it's urine everywhere as far as I can smell. And like the, the, so I hand him this plate and this blanket. Do you want some food? He's like, yeah, I'd love some food. And I, I mm. genuinely have no idea what to do. Nobody trained me for this. I just like, mm-hmm. this is really weird moment where I was like, well, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to like stay. Uh, and I, this is just the guy I'm going to hang out with all night. So I squat there the whole time he eats and just ask him questions and I talk to him. Mm-hmm. Tells me his story. And mm. I realized as we talk, like, this dude is smart, beautiful, <laughs> uh, has dreams, yeah. has depression yep. like me, has pain like yep. me, has stories yep. like me. There's so much in common. And yep. and and so then I I get back in the van and go home. They're like, hey, it's time to go. We go home. And I go home that night and I I I mean, I, I do not journal much. Like that's not something mm. I've been good at, but like sometimes mm. you just have to get it out, right? This is one of those nights. I still have this like entry. But I nice. wrote processing that I was just like haunted by it. In fact, I have called that night the beginning of the haunting, which I have been <laughs> haunted by all of these faces and these people um, that have haunted me. Like they remember their faces. But I went home and I'm like, this beautiful brother um, is laying in an alley that reeks of urine, hoping someone comes by with some food. And, and I'm here at this house with. I've got a roof over my head, conditioned air that's cooling itself. I've got water in there that heats up and is running, a fridge full of food. I have extra pillows, extra blankets, extra jackets. There's a couch out here that that dude a can toilet that on. flushes for crying there's out loud. There's a guest room, a toilet. Like there's a car, there's multiple cars in the driveway. I got, mm-hmm. you know, internet, whatever. And I don't remember what time, what time of my life this was, <laughs> if we had internet. I don't know. I think we did. But I'm like, this is insane. Um, mm. And I don't want to live in a world that works this way. 
It's insane. So, so, so either you need to go back to the suicide idea. Like you had after your car accident and be like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to live in a world that works this way. So I'm out. Or, and this is a little more like, I don't know if you ever read like Huey P. Newton's revolutionary suicide was his autobiography, (laughs) but it was basically like, it's, he's like, look, you could just kill yourself because the world isn't built for you. Or you could kill yourself by crashing it into the systems for the sake of future generations. And I was like, amen, that's my, that's what I'm going to try to do. And so, so I've embraced that kind of idea of like revolutionary Mm -hmm. suicide. I'm like, I need to take responsibility and do something for the condition of my city. And you can't wave a magic wand and make this all go away. But like, I can, I could do something. And so we, I talked a bunch of dudes into moving in this house in a poor neighborhood. We started a little uh, intentional community where we shared resources. We could live on basically nothing because we were all in the same house. Like the poor do this, we could do this. Um, And then we started a little food pantry that we ate out of sharing with neighbors. And we, and the well, what came to be known as the well, I did not want to start a 501c3. I was very, um, anarchist in these early days very like uh-huh. render unto caesar what caesar's and that is not me or anything that i do um and and so uh so i, I was like i'm not registering anything with anyone like i'm just gonna love my neighbors and i'm gonna do, hang out here in the neighborhood but eventually um that house was robbed so much and someone got stabbed in the kitchen and all the stuff disappeared we needed to open up like a that's where we opened up the daytime drop-in center down the street from the house it, okay it so i i pragmatically was like all right i have to and nice. I, and I didn't want to, I actually felt like I'm, I, I did it with guilty conscience, let's say now today mm-hmm. I'm super proud of it because I'm like, this is the best tool ever. And if this mm-hmm. tool is ever not the right tool, then you lay it down, put it back in the box and get a different tool. No big deal. Mm-hmm. I'm not beholden to this tool. Uh, and, and God forbid I allow myself to become beholden to this tool. Cause I think that's where we mm-hmm. go wrong. But anyway, so that, so, so right. Um, car accident, acid mm-hmm. trip man mm. in the alley and the combination wow. of those three things i think is one what made me the way that i am like the the it was like these one two punch kind of thing that led to this like conviction around pain suffering and the poor the yep. brokenness of our of our economy which is really our household right the oikos yep. is the, yep, root the oikos, of that. like absolutely. our oikos is is dysfunctional yep. you put it back together and i think the work of the church is the mandate is to build that city, to, yes. to do that work, to pray, yes. would your kingdom come and your will be done right here, like on my block as it is in heaven. And so I've just given myself to try. So as I started, like, what are you doing? Well, we all joked, our communal tombstone will read, they tried. <laughs> I've, I've always hoped mine would say it was a good try. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah, I hope it is a good try. I'm, you know, we're going to go out swinging. Um, but there's still a lot, a lot of work to be done, but that's also why we have so many plates spinning. Like it's ill-advised, but what else are you going to do? Like look around, right? Well, you're, and you're, I like, I love the garden metaphor because you're, you're, you're you're putting stuff out there and you're finding out which hybrids will flourish, which stuff just won't grow here. You're just planting stuff. No big deal. Some yep, of them, we, no got too, we got too many bugs and pests for that one. That was not resistant enough, blah, blah. You can just really milk that metaphor, but I love it because that's what it's, you're it's doing. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Well, okay, let me ask you this then. It's just moving because my, and I, won't, I won't tell you my journey. I'm old. It takes a long time, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I was but, so brief. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. It was, it was, it was wonderful. Mm. Uh, it, 
that what's been happening to me, I started finding myself because I was, I helped plant a church, pastored there 28 years, did missionary work, blah, blah. It's a long story there. A lot of nonprofit serial startups in the area of mm. felons, recidivism, prison ministry, that sort of stuff. That's awesome. I found myself saying increasingly from the pulpit things like, uh, every one of us has a kingdom assignment. Everyone's got a calling, not just the clergy up here, blah, blah, blah. Then I found myself saying things like the front edge of the movement of Jesus is not the uh, church office. It's the business office. Mm. And so this been this kind of uh, conviction growing out of a lot of classic clergy work, a lot of church planting, a lot of mentoring, a lot of strengthening churches and networks of churches internationally. Uh, a lot of what you've experienced here, I experienced in other countries. And then on the plane home, I'd wonder why we could be so innovative uh, in Zimbabwe and so damn conventional here in the States. Necessity. So my, my journey was different, but we got to some similar uh, places. Yep. So here, let me mm -hmm. just tell you this. I want to let you rip off of it. So lately, I've been pressing into the idea of oikos, which, as you say, uh, mm -hmm. we got our ideas or words around economics from it, but it means the household order. And they were the building block of the early Christian movement, the, the, whether it was uh, Lydia the Purple seller or Aquila Priscilla, the tent makers, or yep. the fishermen, the original apostles who were all fishermen, this idea that an, a household also had an economic engine. Mm -hmm. In our terms, they were kind of like small solopreneur family businesses, a lot of them were. So I, I began thinking more about the oikos in the New Testament, and then the agora, which is, of course, the marketplace, where it's, that's where life goes. If you go to some of those old ancient cities, I've been to some, They've been excavated. That agora is where life happens. It's where it's where people interact. Then, then it was a random thing around ecclesia, which you all know means church. If you ever heard a sermon from a guy who's been to seminary, you know that ecclesia means the gathered, <laughs> the gathered ones. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. you push into it just a little bit. It turns out that the ecclesia were the true citizens who only convened occasionally in order to make mm. decisions for the like common good hall. of the city. Mm -hmm. Town council, town hall. Mm -hmm. And of course, at that time, you had to be a man. You had to mm -hmm. be free. You need to be Greek, Roman, whatever. You could not be a woman. You could not be a slave. Generally, you couldn't even be a Jew. Uh, there were some exceptions, which gives Sounds a, like lot a lot of color. Sounds a lot of churches still, but... Well, yeah. see, still, but, but hey... <laughs> But then, so so, but listen to what Paul says uh, that you're no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, mm -hmm. male nor female. Right. It suddenly gave a color That's to right. it. And what I suddenly realized is when he talks to us as citizens and as a polis, as that city, he's actually somehow saying that the true citizens of Philippi or Tampa or Hot Springs, Arkansas, are those who have the good of the city, those who have bowed the knee to Jesus, those who are trying to bless others. And the ecclesia is not meant to be a new institution. It's more like a flash mob that meets for the good, common good of the city. Now, mm. that's been my journey. Trying, not being being seminary trained, I've been pushing into the Greek and the cultural backgrounds, and I'm working on agora, oikos, ecclesia. But it sounds like we've kind of traveled to a uh, at least a parallel universe, uh, you and I. You know, um, well, so I. I, uh, I think you're exactly right. I did. So I knew all of those words except for Agora and I, mm -hmm. I only know Agora. And I, I almost like, I tried, I don't know if you noticed, I was like holding myself back from laughing over you because <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, the church is agoraphobic. Like that's actually, 
What a that's great so one. profound. That's so profound. I'm going to be thinking about that all the rest of the year because <laughs> it is actually like that. The like you're like no, the marketplace is at is where life happens is where we engage and we want to cloister ourselves off from that life yes. and and rather than be in in the life of the city um hmm. transforming and can investing in the health of and well-being of our communities neighbor like loving our neighbors and neighborhoods and it's it's so it but the thing is and i, I just a map with the seminary and the pastoral yeah. stuff like i <laughs> i love the new testament i took uh, i i ended up so my college story i didn't tell much of other than being a screw up but i ended up changing <laughs> my major to religious studies at which point okay. i did most of my studying in uh, well i study all the world religions but obviously i i i kind of favored christianity and spent right. a lot of time and I, right. I learned enough Greek to kind of go through, like to to slowly read through things and translate or whatever. Um, and I am a geek when it comes to etymology, so I always want to know like <laughs> where did that come from, right? Good. Like where, Good. like 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 I've been. I just found out uh, something recently by way of example that passion mm-hmm. and passivity are have a common root, and that just made my brain hurt because I'm like, wait, <laughs> right. that's so interesting. <laughs> How is that? And because it yep. has to do with suffering, but like passivity is like you allow mm. something to happen. Mm. And, and mm. Jesus, you say like, suffer the little children coming to me, like allow them to come mm-hmm. unto me. And mm-hmm. the passion is su- allowing suffering. His um, crucifixion, and, I, and I was just like, Oh my God, this is so profoundly important. And, yep. and I, anyway, I geek out on stuff like that. So, so as for all <laughs> the things about like, I'm not a, like, I am not a, uh, it's, it's weird. Like I'm not a, a big fan of, let's say churches. Like, uh, I don't like, I, I don't like church activities, right? Right. Still to this day, I have a really hard time with it. I mean, even that conference we were at, I'm like, this is so churchy. Um, like I just <laughs> like, it just, it's also churchy to me and it's not a culture that I'm, a, I'm fond of. And it's not one yep. that I think I, it's not one that I think is helpful to the mission of God. And so I'm like, why don't we throw this tool away? This tool is not mm-hmm. helpful. That, mm-hmm. but, but the church, as in the the bride of Christ, the, the yes. people of God, yes. Uh, yes. is my life's obsession, mm-hmm. um, and it's something I want to learn how to be. Right, yes. I want to enter into the state of I don't want, and I actually think this is a big difference. Like I don't care about, it. you know, uh, a lot of people think they'll be better off if they have something or get something, right? Whereas mm-hmm. the actual, the, most of your needs beyond like food and water is you need to be something. Be. Yeah, you be something. You. You and bet. I'm like, man, that's the church, right? You need to mm-hmm. be the church. Mm-hmm. You need to like embody that ethos and action mm-hmm. in in the Agora. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about learning that because I'm like the agoraphobia thing yep. is exactly... Uh, I heard um, a friend of mine use this analogy, actually Brian Sanders, um, so uh, probably some of your yeah, listeners yeah. know, and you, you met yeah. at the conference or maybe knew from yeah. before that. He sure. used this analogy years ago of the church. So he's like, we have dishes that we use. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when we go have lunch, we all sit and pull out a plate and bowl and yeah. a cup. And he's like, but the church is often um, the what's in the China cabinet. Like the, uh, the plates uh, that no one ever yeah. uses. The plates that never get out to the actual functional tables. Not your and, everyday um, dishes. But but like, yeah, it's really interesting um, uh, whether I did not come out of the church in the way that you mm-hmm. did. Um, and right. But I probably have all the same observations, and um, but less of the uh, patience 
for it. Like where it's not, it's not like, I'm like, these yeah. are not my people. Right. Like this is not, this is not okay. Um, I could be harsh and prophetic about it, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I also recognize there's a lot of good and beautiful um, that takes place where I'm like, there is nothing wrong with getting together and singing. I wish, I wish <laughs> there was more of my personality that would do that because I actually think mm-hmm. it's good to sing the same song or do the same dance. Mm-hmm. That's just psychologically true. Um, right. It's actually good right. to do like get in harmony with one another mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to, to have the same goals and the same vision to get in, to have a bit of a hive mind sometimes. Absolutely. It glues um, is, the tribe is, is, together. Is it, Absolutely. It, it unites us and brings us to mm-hmm. something really important. And, and that's something that like, like when we talk about work, I'm like, this is, so what my kind of theories about relationship have to do, why work is so centrally important to, in my mind, to everything, to the, to theology, yep. Uh, yep. to life, to whatever. But like a big part of it's relational, like you and I can look face to face like this and have this conversation and it's great. But like the relationship, uh, depth of relationship we could have if we work shoulder to shoulder is Absolutely. so much more profound. And that that isn't to to discount this. But it is to say that that is better. And, 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 and though that's kind of the conviction where I'm like, well, yeah, we could sit together and like do this, you know, activity, but, but we could also go share those groceries together. We could also go build that house together. We could also go sweep that street together. And, and then maybe in the rest that grows out of the work, we will rest together and, and we won't be so restless. We can rest in community with one another. We can rest in presence with one another and then maybe when we do that by golly we want to sing a song you know what i mean and like because i'm too tired to do much else at this point and like and i want to be filled again to get back to the to the work at hand um anyway just kind of there's there's my best stab you're always ready to eat together oh i love it always always (laughs) always ready for well and my wife and i would even say in marriage we've been married 45 years now and it's been ups and downs, and uh, she was ready to divorce me seriously at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been bored, and we've been excited, all the things that happen in a marriage. Uh, younger friends of ours ask us how we made it 45. And mm-hmm. it's not, what we will say is, it's not by sitting knee to knee, looking into each other's eyes deeply, and uh, sharing our innermost thoughts. There have been a few moments of those. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly what has made it work is the sense of being shoulder to shoulder, working together on common assignments, common opportunities. We've businesses, restaurants, churches, we're, we're kind of serial starters of communities is what Mm -hmm. we do. But when we do shoulder to shoulder, our marriage flourishes where if if we sat and looked in each other's eyes all day long and said, whispered sweet nothings, I'm not sure how long it would last. Well, and that's the truth of so many things. It's a byproduct, right? So it's like people, people want, um, it's like they they think they can just pursue happiness, but like happiness, mm-hmm. one might not be worth pursuing anyway. But if you're ever happy, or let's say you have what it's a counterfeit for joy, it emerged from something else, right? And can even transcend or take place in suffering. Um, relationship emerges, um, and and in some ways, I think the kingdom emerges. Like it's not yes. direct pursuit. Yes. These things yes. are the work of God. They're yes. gifts given to us. And I think yes. rest emerges also. Like yes. you don't just go, I'm resting. It's like, <laughs> let's see how that goes actually. Yep. But then yep. you sometimes rest emerges. And I, and I think yeah. uh, emerging a lot. And this is uh, passivity. Like there, I want to be 
passionately engaged and willing to suffer and die for the vision at hand, the prayer that his kingdom will come, mm. but a bit passive in the credit or the fruit. Like uh. I don't need to put a single notch in my belt because I will just suffer it because it is it is to emerge. It is to allow uh, it's something that takes place. And and honestly, it's funny, like we're highly relational in our work. And I'm often like barking at people who try to be like evangelists with us because I'm like, listen, you want to sh- first of all, the homeless here that we work with are the most church population because no one lets them eat till they hear the sermon right. first. And like, that stupid but, nonsense where like the literally the gospel's being used as like a weapon. To yeah, they call it a Jesus they- talk. Well, we got to listen to a Jesus talk for they'll feed us. Yeah. It's the, to me, it's the most anti-Christian thing I've ever right. seen. I just think that's right. so not Christian, but, but whatever. Uh, so, so, so I'm like, this is a church population. And the second you engage in that, you have no access to who they really are because they know how to talk the language. And the guy's going to tell you, you just got baptized every time you see him. Like it's a game and and you're going to think you're leading people to the Lord and, and, <laughs> and it's a waste of everybody's time, but it's actually in the way of presence. So if you just don't do any of that, just keep it to yourself and say, uh, uh, tell me your story. Is there any way that could be helpful? Do you want to go to a movie on Tuesday? Do you want to be <laughs> friends? What's your phone number? And like, and then come to find out in the midst of real relationship, eventually something emerges. There you go. Okay. Let me, okay. Let me ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, me in, we, man. Just... No, 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 no. We can, I could do this all afternoon and I would love it, but we, we probably can't. Or, or, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, all that on the table and your old anarchist heart on the table, modified yep. to some degree by the years. Uh, where are you? Here's where, here's my interest. I'll just, my interest is in straight up capitalistic businesses owned by men and women of faith, really business owning families, the old Oikos idea again, back to that. Mm-hmm. And yet Before I was a pastor, I was an engineer. I've also had several businesses as well as helped start several churches and nonprofits. So I'm kind of just kind of a serial starter of stuff. Business world capitalism is uh, both corrupt and full of possibility, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But where are you nowadays just on straight up for-profit business? Can a for-profit business be a good neighbor? Oh, I think absolutely. In fact, I would say, well, one, let me just use the for-profit, non-profit distinction for a second. Because yeah, I actually, good, good. I actually think it's um, it's just a tax distinction. Right. Um, my bike shop is a non-profit, as in it's mm-hmm. owned by a 501c3, and we get mm-hmm. certain exemptions, and we can receive your donations. Please send them. Yep. Um, yep. And we can give you a tax write-off for that. That's right. But, like, we're trying to make as much money as we can in the work. Yep, yep. Um, whether it be by, by way of, uh, philanthropic public charity mm-hmm. giving or uh, through just services and sales. And we yep. are increasing that portion of the pie uh, with every step of the way forward. And I think, and then when you look at like, let's just say like advertising world in general, capitalism yep. in general, the reality is that, you know, there was like that documentary years ago called the corporation where they go mm-hmm. through like the psychological analysis of these corporations, like they're sociopathic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. they actually are. And this is what I do think, uh, not just businesses, but governments and schools and churches. I think, uh, they have this logic of survival that turns mm. them into sociopaths because mm. they won't, they won't die. And, yep. and so they become the opposite of something Christian. Um, and I do think at the heart of it is something like existential terror, 
Um, mm. and, 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 and this is what I think the Bible is talking about when it uses language of principalities and powers, yep. like the, it, 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 you're, you are enslaved to a fear of death and that's what creates yes. sin and harm and whatever. Yes. And so, so then, so then, okay. So then, but, but what we see in marketing is that, ne- and so there was that, okay, let me tie that together. There was the corporation, the sociopathic businesses, but those businesses, the market is turning its back on rapidly. Hmm. rapidly. And and now you see greenwashing. You see every business ready to like fly the flag of the, the current Got social it. justice trend or yep. to virtue signal in their commercial or to say or to or and the or to put the Christian fish on their business sign, which I do not <laughs> advise doing, no. by the way. No. Um, or or what whatever whatever it is that we think is the proper propaganda of our righteousness. Mm. But like the reality is, I think that is a, is an indication. So one nonprofits need to learn to make money because they are not going to be able to panhandle their way into the future. Yes. Two. Yes. hundred uh, percent. Uh, and churches, nonprofits, all y'all yep. uh, 100%. businesses need to learn to be good neighbors and to prioritize the planet and people um, and balance that triple bottom line with profits mm-hmm. because the old ideas mm-hmm. of of that profit uh, centric model yep. uh, led to harm yep. and needs to be corrected. And so so I think those are merging. And in the future, I do not think there will be words like social enterprise. I can't wait to just say I do business and bi- yes. and that implies yes. I am a valuable contributing uh, yep. in ve- member that is invested in my community, not just an extraction of value and workforce and whatever else to take from yep. the people. No matter, so, no matter how you straddle the tax line. Correct. So, so, yep. so, so there's that. So then I go, well, then to address, like, I think, so as you go capitalism, you know, and mm-hmm. probably early on is why I would have said I was, I, I didn't see this happening. I, I was never exactly. So there's a huge difference that people maybe. So the anarchist thing is just say, and I actually think much of the Bible is anarchist in this way, where it's like, <laughs> there is no Lord, but Jesus. Yep. And so I do not recognize your Caesar. I do not recognize your mayor. I do mm-hmm. not rec. I, I, do, I just don't recognize it. So it's very libertarian is what. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then anarchist is kind of usually a communitarian version of a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Like we live in intentional community and we share mm-hmm. stuff like the church. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that looks like the early church to me. Right. Uh, we confuse it with words like communism, which is super authoritarian right. um, in most cases. But 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 to this, because we hold capitalism, communism, and I often mm-hmm. think mm, we need to define these terms a little bit. They're not helpful. Oh. Oh. And so you I want to just that say that right now a little bit. However, uh, mm-hmm. I do believe business is the thing that makes the world move and change. So so the capitalist conviction that the markets, I mean, this is just what it is. In fact, what I just said about how businesses are changing because the marketplace is turning its back on the sociopathic businesses. So we can actually vote with our dollars way more effectively than the ballots uh, because I'm not sure that's doing anything to be frank. Um, and, 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 And so I go, well, I actually think to build in the marketplace in the agora. is the greatest thing that we in the agora is the best thing that we could do. And I would say to the church, to every, if you said you have a handful of clergy and church mm-hmm. folk listening, mm-hmm. listen, the church, a lot of church people staff that I know are trapped. 
Yes. They're trapped. They got seduced into a trap because, mm-hmm. because now they just are preachers. They just, talk. Yep. they actually have not much else to offer to, to the world or engage in the marketplace with. And, and some of them aren't even believing anymore. They're like, I can't leave I this know. or I don't believe in this model anymore. The, the, the functional model of this is broken, but what am I going to do? I got kids to feed. So they're actually trapped in a capitalist trap. Um, yep. They're, they're a trapped labor force and yep. they need to be liber. They need to be liberated the work of Jesus to be liberated from the monster that is the institutions that hold them, the principalities and powers. It just yep. happens to be a Baptist version or a, a yep. Episcopalian version or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would say to those traditional churches, to those mainstream churches, like you actually, I think, frankly, you should turn all your buildings into like pubs or, <laughs> or, or dojos or like, like do jujitsu gyms or whatever. Like we don't need to do that. And actually I would go so far as to say, I, you know, And I don't know, this is not a popular opinion, but I don't think people should just be, I don't think you should be paid for preaching. I don't think you should be paid uh, for, for any of the, of the works of ministry. Uh, And I'm not saying the worker isn't worth his wages. What I'm saying is you should be doing something that is value. Listen, I work my tail off and then I I make what I can uh, where I can. But you think when someone's in need or needs to hear the gospel or needs someone to pray for them that I need to check and see if I'm getting a paycheck first. And what, and what I think is if we reframe our models and the church looks more like a pub and a coffee shop and a gym, Mm -hmm. well then those things make money and you can go in that gym and be a priest. And, 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 and that's what I think maybe the, 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 I think we need to be fully in the world in the agora in the yep. and i actually think there's a reason that the vision in revelation says and there was no temple in the city absolutely uh, that's why you can not only go to the gym and be a priest you can own the gym you can own and, the gym and run the gym as a quote unquote temple that's not a temple but it's a place now, where you meet god where you can intersect with the transcendent here's a little pushback on this because uh just to be clear about the capital i i believe what you're saying i think yeah you can own the gym um, and even whether you're a nonprofit, for-profit ownership or being a executive director or CEO of a nonprofit, the entity will make demands on you that will try to seduce you away from the call Always. because you Always. will not be willing to lay down the life of the institution, right? You won't, yep. you can't shut it down. That's right. against the wishes of the entity that yes. possesses the seat the, that you sit. The entity in. has survival instincts. Big Correct. Time. And yep. they will possess you. So yep. be careful in whatever yep. place you're in. But what I think, and so there's just this old monastic idea. Um, so I wish I could tell you who said this like really concise way of saying this, but like possessions, like mm-hmm. physical possessions, the more yep. common, the more holy. And uh-huh. so, and so, so okay, I can have a car, no big deal, but if right. we have a car, it's a better car. More better. Um, yep. if it, it's more better. And so, <laughs> and so what, and so this is why I do like the nonprofit holding company model because of the uh-huh. common purse nature of it. It is yep. actually held in common. Mm. Um, what, what I think is the, cl- it maps closer to the early church in this way. Um, but it has some of the same pitfalls. Like I still sit at, like I answer to a board and uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I submit to a lot of other things going on, but it's like, mm, but still I'm in a position where that same voice is whispering in my ear for the survival of the thing. Right. So, so I like the idea that we hold these things in common. And so that isn't to say, uh, I actually think there's a lot of um, current innovation around corporate structures that is emerging that makes so like partnership is better than single member owned businesses. Yep. It would be better to invest in a partnership, not just because of the human capital and the diversity of skill mm-hmm. sets, but because of like 
uh, the it's just m- more better. It's just more better. And so <laughs> and so I would say that there are things that are emerging where it's like, well, I, I like partnership. I like community, and mm-hmm. I like and so I use this nonprofit holding company thing. But the nonprofit, which is a person in legal sense, <laughs> right, owns right. owns. Mm-hmm. Um, five LLCs, six LLCs there. now, like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Th- well, that's a business owner. And so, anyway, I wanted to like flesh that out a little bit, just to clarify nice. or say what maybe what I actually think about that. Uh, but to me, this is all. I think it's dangerous to think about like right and wrong, and to be like this is the right way forward. As much as to think like wise and unwise, healthy and unhealthy, Absolutely. and to and to take all of it in a spirit of experimentation. Which yes. gives us the willing to go. That plant doesn't grow well in this garden. Let it yes. die. Yes, yes. See, and because well, Paul's New Testament language around the church was so organic around uh, maturing. I, I need to go back and strengthen the churches. I, I think if we thought more in terms of maturity, uh, organically right. growing, right. thought more in terms of healthiness and strength. Yep. And less trying to define exactly when is a business a church and when is a church is a business and blah 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 blah. Uh, yeah, if we could think about ecosystems and gardens, I think that's the path. Okay, now here's what's here's the reality. We've been yakking for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. We got to mm-hmm. talk more about the business capitalism. Sometime we ought to talk more about uh, some Benedictine spirituality and what that has to do with the agora. Yep. Uh, I'm. I think there's a way. I think we need some experiments in that general direction. And that's all we could. I know you and I could probably go on that for another two or three hours. But uh, what's your yeah. last say for today? What would you like to leave our uh, audience with or me with for today? I do think that the Benedictine, I know we touched on this when we met there, the Benedictines yep. um, were an incredible model. And, and even what I was, they were who I was thinking of just now, as I said, the more, uh-huh. uh, common, more common, the more mm-hmm. holy. Because they ran really good businesses. They make the best beer, the best cheese, the best bread. They, they, there, there's a book called The Business Practices of the Benedictines, mm-hmm. I believe is what it's called. You should all go get it. It's a, a He's a CEO of a company mm-hmm. that spent a sabbatical with the Benedictines and just studied, mm-hmm. like, what are they doing? And just said, man, they, these are the most brilliant of business people. But, not, but what they prioritize is not profit. And right. it is not a, even economic. It's virtue. So yeah. by the prioritization of virtue, um, they they go, you know, what really matters is like the quality of this bread, the quality of the ingredients. Sure, they cost more, but the, mm-hmm. the is this not a work of love? And mm-hmm. and they, they have this motto that they use, um, which is basically to say like work and pray, uh, yep. pray and work and, yep. and often even translated like to pray. Work is to pray. Let the yes. work be yes. the prayer. And be they the they, they, yep. they merge these ideas, which I think is really uh, uh, right. Uh, just like I said, we pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth. And you can do that in a prayer room. That's fine. But then you need to go out of that room and you need to build. You you need to become the answer to that prayer in, in as much as it depends. Yes. So, so, so I would yes. say this. Work at it like there is no God and it's completely up uh-huh. to you. Uh-huh. And then pray about it huh? like like only God can make this happen. And hopefully yep. somewhere in the middle there's magic. But like uh, uh and, and 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 that that kind of philosophy of work mm-hmm. 
um, I think is both right for the church, but also um, makes for a meaningful life. So I, I uh. look around me and see a lot. You know, we have a lot of friends that are on the streets. They do not have employment. And I will say to them, listen, man, you need to work. And they're like, well, no one's hiring. And I would be like, and I've stole a little bit of this from Peter Moore and one of the founders of the Catholic mm-hmm. Worker. But mm-hmm. he, this is during the Great Depression. He's like, why aren't you mm-hmm. working? No one's hiring. He's like, what does that have to do with work? Like, mm-hmm. you can go clean that street. Look around you. There's work yes. to be done everywhere. Yes. Don't worry about getting paid. Paycheck. Offer your work as an act of love. Offer it as a gift economy. And when you provide value to the community, there's a really good chance the community yes. will look out for you. Yes. And that, to me, is just such a, a, a right thing to say to people. Not just because, like, uh, 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 you that they provide value to the community or the exchange that takes place, but because they're dying without it. Like the, yep. the, the lack of meaning exactly maps oh. to the lack of responsibility that you take. And, and I'm like, take Absolutely. some responsibility for the, the hell around you and, and do something about it. And you will find yourself engaged in the most meaningful work, work. that puts you into flow state, the, a taste of eternal life. And, and you will find that while you're working, you are in, in communing with meaning, with God, with presence. Um, and I just think, man, like you can, you can do that. Uh, yes. And, and, and when you, when you do that, you find that you can actually pray without ceasing. Say, boy, I love that. Well, whether it's Dorothy Sayers or uh, St. Benedict, mm. uh, you're, mm-hmm. it's also Barry Bonhoeffer of you, you know, right, right before they those killed are, him. Those was, are, you just rattled off like my three top. I no, mean, I, yeah, if I just, no. Yeah. Oh, Dor- I, uh, Dor- by the way, those of you who don't know Dorothy Sayers, you can go listen to why work on my podcast. I'm sure yes, it's some sort yes. of copyright violation, but you can just go <laughs> listen to it until they call because I want the world to know that essay. Oh. Um, hugely, oh. hugely inspired by Bonhoeffer. In fact, this morning um, in the, in the bathroom, I was thinking I need to pull back out the letters and papers from prison and yes. reread all of the yes. stuff on reli- religionless Christianity. Well, because that's been um, my life the last three years, brother. I, 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 I'm rereading I all his stuff. He, he has an idea that he did not live to develop. That's right. That I think God is telling me I need to work on now. Because right. uh, because there is there is something very right, real, and true about um, the 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 secular vocation and the arcane discipline that he talks about in those <laughs> things, and, and and the the coming of age of the church and the world, and and. And frankly, I'm like, that dude had some fire, oh, fire prophecy oh. that we just gloss over and miss. And 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 cost of discipleship's great, but like letters and papers, like oh, uh, no. it will ruin you. Ethics and letters and papers will discombobulate oh. your Christianity yeah. in a right in a way good way. I've so I have got I'm looking at a stack of books over here of secondary literature trying to understand religionless Christianity. Yeah. I just I I'm writing a little summary paper myself. I'm trying to get it down to one Share page. Share it with me. Share it with me. Well, I don't one know if I can do it off the top of my head. One time get down to one page. What are the basic tenets of his? And it's about the powerlessness of God. That if Jesus really is the icon this is of the God, then then God helps us not in his Zeus-like power, but he helps. That's, that's Drew, not Bonhoeffer. In his Zeus-like power, he helps us in his helplessness, in his powerlessness, in his suffering is how this he is, helps us. He says, if I remember that section, he says, this is the way and the only way that he is with us. Oh, and, okay. And then he says, 
what we have to do as Christians is now live as if there is no God. Now he's That's fully right. still a God believer and all that. He's, Correct. What he what he means is, as and you know, right. is we must take responsibility. One of his favorite words. We have to take responsibility, not waiting for Zeus to swoop in and fix everything. Instead, we take responsibility for our yeah. neighbors. Well, and it just to me those letters read like just grow the hell up. You know, oh. like you think mom's going to do this for you forever? Like you, stand on your own two feet. You can do this. Jesus, they, they said, Jesus, there's all these hungry people. And he goes, you feed them. And I, and I go, this is, this is it. And when it hurts and when you're suffering and when you're bleeding and when you're being crucified for it, he is with you in that. And, and that is, that is enough. Okay, so yep. here's the third one. Shut I'm looking at, I'm looking right, at this right. little one pager I'm it, trying to do. do I gave you two of them, in my opinion. Of some, just trying to summarize it because it's scattered. It's scattered through the letters. It's scattered in, in, through the ethics. Church is only church when it exists for those not in it, suffering for the world, taking risks, and experiencing moral ambiguity. Christian community must give up its wealth, power, and pride. The whole world is now their church. Mm. And he goes on to say, but that's true because the encounter with Jesus Christ takes place in fellowship with other Christians and with every other human being we meet. This is a this is a this is a hard teaching for the church. And and yes. I do not think we're ready for it in so many ways. And yet I go, yeah, amen. Amen. Yep. And I think we could spend the rest of our lives trying to unpack that. Um well, so I tell we're you what, so, we do we're it, so addicted to it. Well, whether we do it on a recording or not, let's talk more about uh, uh, capitalism oh, and please, religionless please, Christianity please. sometime and uh, compare notes. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up at least officially. We'll see how, mm-hmm. how things go in the future. Uh, thanks to my uh, my guest, uh, John Dengler, Tampa, Florida. Check out uh, his uh, work ethic podcast. Check out The Well, wellbuilt.city. Uh, you've heard him. Uh Tons of uh, provocative uh, ideas, uh, snippets, sayings, perspectives, postures. What a great story. John, thanks for trusting us with the story. Your three big moments of your life. Uh, that was, mm-hmm. you made my whole day here in that. I just, I just loved Love it. it. So, uh, so thanks, my man. And well, uh, we're going to officially be done here. <laughs> man, run with it, baby. Uh, there's oh. a lot of depth there. And go yep. go deeper with Ecclesia. Don't let the preachers limit your understanding of Ecclesia. Go deeper. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gold there. And uh, okay, so to our listeners, we're signing off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And we're out. Much love. Bye-bye. Thank you.